Welcome to the WebWell podcast brought to you by Cascade Web Development. I'm one of your hosts, Simon, along with Ben, and we can't wait to dive into all things internet, tech, web development, and web design. We'll also be discussing how we balance work and life and exploring the fascinating world of internet innovation. So whether you're a tech enthusiast or just looking for some entertainment, join us on this exciting journey as we explore the ever-changing landscape of the web. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. Welcome, everyone, to WebWell Podcast, episode number 13. I'm super excited to be joined, uh, as always, with Ben. And our guest today uh, is Colby Schlicker. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to uh, be on the show with you guys. Yeah. Right on. Thanks, Colby. I'm excited for uh, today's topic. I'll I'll spill it a little early, and then we'll do some intros. But... um, Again, playfully, as we were talking offline, uh, 99 Reasons off of uh, Jay-Z's song. So 99 Reasons for a redesign, but a marketing, a new marketing director ain't one. So that's today's topic. But first, let's start off with some intros. Ben, what's going on? Introduce us to uh, Colby and uh, and we'll go from there. Sounds excellent. Yeah, Colby and I have been uh, friends and working together in a variety of different capacities for, gosh, it feels like well over a decade and, and just love our uh, the origin story of our friendship. It's another one of those reminders that uh, the women in our lives are, are usually responsible <laughs> for so much of our success. So, uh, Colby, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to uh, find yourself in this industry. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, you and my wife worked together at one point in time and I was looking for a new new gig and she introduced me to you and you introduced me to Lewis and Clark Bank. And that's where my marketing career took off in 2008. And my first day on the job was a website meeting at Cascade Web Development <laughs> back in the day. So yeah, I've been, market, been in marketing since 2008. I was at uh, Lewis and Clark Bank, which was a startup bank and still one of the youngest banks on the West Coast, as far as I know, uh, from back then and was there for almost seven and a half years. Uh, eventually moved in with my agency of record at the time, Watson Creative, and was there for about five years and was, um, you know, director of growth there. Also ran strategy, sold a lot of websites and brand work during that time. Um, and then during the pandemic, left and started my own consulting uh, business, which I've been doing since with a quick stop at uh, Migration Brewing, which is an excellent business here in Portland where I was the marketing director there. So um, I'm honored that you guys have uh, invited me on the show. We can talk a lot about the biz and stuff that we've been in together. And I'm sure we've seen a lot of uh, a lot of things, a lot of projects and uh, experiences that are similar. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So tell us, what are you up to now these, uh, these days now, Colby? Yeah, I'm currently uh, running my own consultancy firm. Just me, fancy way of saying just me, but, um, you know, I've got a number of clients here in Portland uh, and I'm trying to, you know, I think the fancy model name right now is a a fractional CMO or fractional marketing director type role. Um, And I've got a couple clients here in town where I'm spending time with them each week, sometimes helping them out with strategy, sometimes helping them out with production. You know, in, in this point of time, in this environment, it's just really trying to get scrapping, get my hands dirty and try to build something. Um, we'll see where it takes me. But right now I'm just really enjoying being hands on with a few clients. Yeah. I find that very rewarding. Um, and, you know, in the sort of remote world uh, right now, it works with my family. But I am itching to kind of get a little more, 
little more in-person work with folks. So I'm kind of looking forward for the world coming back and me spending a little more time face-to-face with people too. So we're trying to navigate all that, trying to build up the business a bit, but, um, you know, a wide range of things, uh, wide range of projects, you know, some of it digital and some of it just, you know, high level advice. And I really enjoy that work too. Well, I bet your clients really appreciate it too. Like you said, with this environment, the ability to pull in that kind of generalist expertise and then have you source the work that maybe is is not within your, you know, your initial uh, sphere of, of expertise and and uh, really help them move some initiatives forward with while managing their costs. So it sounds like a, a pretty good place to be operating from. Yeah. And I, I, you know, kind of reminiscing a bit back to 2008 when I first got in at the bank as their marketing director and thinking about where websites have gone in that time and just kind of where digital marketing and the digital space has gone in that time. has just been, I mean, I feel like we've seen everything in a little bit, seen it together in a sense during that time, everything from like, you know, websites that can move to the size of the screen in which they're on to Facebook and social media coming on and display advertising. And, and I think really one of the big um, trends during that time, which, I hope we can talk about today too, is just the level of storytelling and purpose-driven marketing that has really penetrated the priority of, of, of dollar spend in a lot of ways too, more than it ever has. And so kind of, it's been fun to just kind of preparing for the show today, thinking about all the things that have happened since 2008 in that digital space. It's like, it's really hard you know, you've been in sort of that specialized spot. I've kind of been generalized and feel like I've got a flavor of everything. Uh, but it, it's hard to just kind of nail down one specific thing in my mind. So, it, you know, I do like to provide some general advice for my clients. And then I can bring in experts like you guys uh, to come help get certain things over the finish line or, you know, do a much better job at something I can't do. <laughs> yeah, you bet. You bet. No, it's exciting. Well, great. Yeah. Well, Simon, maybe I'll hand it back to you and we can dive into uh, today's topic. Yeah, I wanted to reflect real quick on a couple of things he was talking about, talking about from 2008, the changes in marketing, uh, both needs, industries, all that. Like, as you were talking there, Colby, I, I pictured this like build it and they will come marketing strategy isn't the case. I don't think it. it may have been back when print was like, let's just put out a beautiful big print ad and we'll get what we want out of that. Where now, like you're saying, it's, it, you have to be so much more strategic, you know, and, and very deliberate yeah. with messaging, with branding, with that, with that message to spear your little sliver, if you will, of audience where back in the day I, and and again, I wasn't an advertiser back in the day, but when I was going to school, like you're talking about some of those changes when I was going to school, we talked about print ads, right? Like I was, I was designing mm-hmm. print layouts, you know, and, and I say that jokingly, I love mm-hmm. layout and I love print, but like, it's not what it is now. Like it's changed drastically. So yeah, that's, that's a, a cool, at least great perspective seeing from 2008 as, as a round number to now just how it's like moved through time. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And as you were talking about that, Colby, it got me thinking, you know, like the profession is a practice, right? Cause we're trying a lot of stuff on and, and we think things are going to work. And, and so that in my mind, it's like, well, what we learned real quick there is metrics, you know, how can we measure effectiveness? Cause we can't guarantee results. 
but boy, you want to find that that right cocktail of of uh, efforts that will you know drive the the user to hopefully convert and and do what we hope they'll do and and find love and connection with with the effort. So, you know that there's obviously there's a, a whole a whole bunch of folks that are in the the world of metrics and and measuring results because we are we're kind of practicing and and trying things on and you know dialing certain things up that appear to be working and other things down that aren't. Um, so it's a pretty fun process. Yeah, I would, you know, if I, if you don't mind me continuing on this a bit, like, you know, as, as I've no, sat on continue. Every, from the agency world, we say, <laughs> okay, so as, as we sit on the, on the client, as we say client side, like, you know, so much of it, so much of it, you know, you, you need to find your ROI and you need to, you need to kind of fight for budget and you need to do that. And then on the other side of the coin, when you're that eight, when you're an agency and, you know, you you're trying to uh, educate and you're trying to kind of bring people into this knowledge that you have. And then both parties, whether you're a marketing director or an agency, you've got to just kind of really work your ass off to get those key stakeholders who are cutting the checks to believe in that. And and like in an ever changing world of digital, you know, (laughs) it's going to change so fast, you know, it's going to change so quickly. And so to try to make those folks happy and to show the success of your work is an ever is an ongoing challenge all the time. Yeah. And you just got to, got to keep plugging. And, you know, I've been lucky in a lot of ways to, in my career, um, work for folks that understand that, um, courage, right? Understand, yeah, they have courage to market, you know, they have courage to invest in brand. They have courage to invest in their digital strategy. And so, and I've seen when people don't, and that's tough, you know. So, sorry about that tangent, but that that was just like, you know, it's it's a it's just it's been a roller coaster, man. It's been this marketing world has it's been a roller coaster, um, but it's great. Well, I think that segues well enough into this topic of ninety nine reasons for redesign. And again, if your listeners are keying in on this part, redesign, we're typically talking about a website, but we could say a redesign of brand, a redesign of messaging, all of that being the same. We'll say we're talking more specifically website, but 99 reasons for a redesign, but a new marketing director ain't one. And why Colby, I think you're perfect for this is because uh, you're the (laughs) marketing director. You're, you're that guy. Um, but you're also not that guy. It's it's us kind of coming to you and saying we're we've seen a certain trend, and and I'll better explain it in a second. But we've seen a certain trend where uh, turnover is causing a new marketing director to come in, and they're thinking, and and I'll say it, a certain demographic age, possibly being that demographic, are coming in thinking I I need to make a name for myself. How do I do that? And then use this to springboard my career to the next position, maybe, or or new fancier job, or that one job that they serve have cereal in the kitchen, you know, all day long, and I can go snack or whatever, you know. Like, <laughs> there's that, and then you, Colby, are, are kind of in this position too, where you're like, okay, I'm you're coming in. How can I make an impact? But I think what's unique about you and what I've known of you in the short time that we've chatted is that it's it's not the name for yourself, you're actually needing to make the name for the client. And I think that's the key differentiator between a new marketing director, someone that's coming in to springboard to the next job 
And then someone like you that comes in, like I'm really holistically looking at this client and their needs and saying, is, is the redesign mm-hmm. the best choice or not? Is it a facelift? Mm-hmm. So let's start with defining it. What, what does this mean? So if you're again, marketing director coming in, mm-hmm. maybe you could speak Colby. What are the, what are the first things that you're looking at? Um, again, new in the role or, or you're looking at a potential client where you're coming in as a CMO, what are you looking at when it comes to, we'll say digital space more specifically, um, is a redesign your go-to, uh, what, what are your go-tos? Mm-hmm. What are the things you're looking at to really analyze your next step? Yeah, I would, I like to kind of look at this through like, almost like a product life cycle perspective on in one sense and like what's the what's the brand life cycle at this point what does that digital presence life cycle look like like is it stale uh would be a question you know is it does it feel dusty does it feel out of era you know those are some obvious things but you know when you're kind of talking to c-suite type folks like that may not necessarily be the right angle to take on that i think like you want to be talking about the business life cycle in itself. Are we preparing for a growth phase? You know, are we ramping up sales efforts? What are the things that need to be behind that revenue that will help drive uh, revenue growth? You know, and there are really, it's that funky, like it depends answer um, where that, where that business is at in its growth phase. You know, if it's like, okay, hey, you know, we can kind of keep this thing where it's at for a while and let's just throw some fresh content on it. You know, that'll be just, that'll do the job. Um, But is it, uh, hey, man, we look 10 years old. You know, we got to, you know, we got to really kind of shape things up here. I think those those are some of the obvious things. Um, You know, sometimes uh, there's cultural stuff around a business that, you know, Maybe there's been a big change in leadership. Maybe uh, there's been a big change in business direction. And you've got to really just kind of reposition yourself. You know, the website is uh, really the the keeper of the brand in a lot of ways. Like uh, almost all your key assets are going to be on the site, your identity, your brand promise. All those things should all be told on a website. And, you know, if someone comes in new at, at the top, you know, that's a good time to possibly rethink that. But you know, as a marketing director, there is a bit of that ego. There is a bit, a bit of that, like, I want to come in and make waves. And I think maybe when I was younger, I, I certainly felt like that with, with certain opportunities of like, hey, I want to come in and change stuff up and kind of put my stamp on things. But I think as the older I've gotten and maybe the more people I've worked with, you know, I think it's just really kind of analyzing where the money's at, you know, um, and as a marketer learning to speak a little more CFO language than CMO language and kind of talk that talk and be like, what's going to actually make an impact right now. Sometimes that is a new website, but sometimes it's let's invest in content, which we can then deploy um, on the website, the existing website and new channels. Maybe we just need to tweak a few, make a few new landing pages. Maybe we need to, you know, so that's just kind of a broad answer there. But I think like uh, in terms of that 
marketing director mentality that does exist because in tough times or when you're changing jobs, the marketing director or your marketing dollars are the first things cut, you know, Mm -hmm. or you need a, when you're going and interviewing for a new role somewhere, they're going to be like, tell me about your, your work in the past. And, you know, a, a new website's a sexy item that you can point to and be like, this was a big thing. But what I think is actually, as I've gotten older, it's the numbers. If you can prove ROI in general revenue growth for the company, and I've been lucky to be part of some fast growing companies uh, with the bank, with the agency, with the brewery. Some of that has had to do, I would say the bank, a big part of that had to do with our website. And that's a project we worked on together. And that was really part of that time um, was when uh, as a community bank, we really kind of broke a mold in terms of, website storytelling um and i was really proud of that project but you know as i went to the brewery recently we we kicked that website down down the road as much as we could because we had to focus on sales you know we had to focus on like point of sale you know and what are those events what are those uh quick decision making opportunities for beer buyers you know (laughs) you know a website is not necessarily going to turn that right away so you know one other thought that pops up as i'm thinking about this is like you also need to understand your customer a bit too and i think like if it's an e-commerce type business you might need that priority may need to be much higher in terms of dollars and and frequency being invested into an online store you know uh, if that's your main space but you know i'd say the majority of my experience has been b2b uh type business um uh you know where it's a much longer sale um much higher price sale and a website in that sense is more about vetting and understanding your partner in a in a complex industry you know so that brochure just needs to be tight you need to have great content on there and you know i think that has a longer shelf life in in general so yeah it depends simon i i i think every client's different in that sense and it's really just kind of understanding the bit the money of that of the business you're in and what's going to help help you drive growth yeah as, as you were talking about that in there too i was thinking totally the the industry thing like you just said e-commerce that is the tool so so maybe it is a full refresh it's a it's a look at you know, the, the customer journey on that experience because you have them for a short time where like you're saying a B2B uh, bank, for example, it's, it's vetting, it's, it's instilling trust. It's, it's bringing in all of that stuff um, as well into that. Ben, what are you going to say? Yeah. And I guess the other thing that I, that comes to my mind as you're talking about that Colby is, is the distinction between the back end of a website and the front end of a website, right. And, and how much, you know, could be leveraged and from what's been learned up to that point with the back end of a website and then reflected and then reflect that new energy, that new excitement on the front end. And, you know, obviously there are some ubiquitous 
platforms out there, the the Shopify is on the e-commerce side, the WordPress is on the, the the messaging side, pushing all sorts of different directions. I think a lot of people have this perspective of like, it's one thing as compared to no, you know, depending on how it's built, perhaps we just reskin the front end, add some new features, and then, you know, a fairly light lift, uh, small amount of time, small amount of budget can can have the same impact as a, as a full redesign, which has all of the weight of, you know, interviewing people you know, vetting them, determining, are you the right, not only the right people, but backed up by the right technology and, and then going down that very long process of building out a website. And I, I just wonder if there's probably more work that we could do on the, on the agency side to, you know, not only be front and center with our point of contact and their team, uh, perhaps as below them, but also maybe up a rung to the extent that we can have a, a strong relationship there and, and, and send a clear message that, Hey, you know what, when, when, and if you do have a transition, there's so much that we've learned and we've, we've got this investment in this back end. but yeah, if you want to mix up the front end, let's do that. It's just assuming that we're not blowing it on your, from your perspective, then let's get that fresh design energy, that fresh content energy in and reflect that on the site at a lower cost. And I think that's one of those areas where sometimes you kind of like, oh my gosh, like everything was going so great until one person decided to exit stage left. And now this whole organization, which was talking about not having a lot of resources and wanting to do all these things, finds themselves in this really expensive, you know, time and money uh, endeavor to redo the website. And and then you sometimes you see those results and you're kind of scratching your head saying, wow, it doesn't feel like that checked very many boxes. So I guess from your perspective, do you generally as, as the perspective, Ben, that a website is is one thing and uh, is is not necessarily separated front end from back end? You know, I just kind of, I just feel like that's all about resource resources in, in a lot of ways, you know, and bandwidth. If I was in that marketing director seat, you know, lots of times in, in in my experience, I've been the one person, as you're kind of saying, like, if I were to go, uh, there, there's nobody, you know, there's nobody, <laughs> there's nobody there to understand that. I don't know, Ben, I, I, I think... Like if if there's multiple people within a marketing department, then it's going to be much easier to to double up. Uh, you know, um, who knows what on the back end of that site? Yeah. You know. Yeah. And if not, if there's only one person, then you know you're my best friend. You know what I mean? And I've got to yeah. just kind of have regular regular meetings uh, and contact with you. Um, so, yeah, it, it can get a little tricky there, uh, you know, in terms of resourcing and who who does what within a team. Um, yeah. And a lot of my experience has I've only had uh, a couple where I've had people underneath me that I can kind of delegate that to. Uh, most of the time I've got the whole I'm spinning all the plates. Right. Totally makes sense. Yeah, you're the one who's just convening all that expertise and delivering on mm -hmm. the, the one thing. Yeah, and one one conversation I've had over and over again with my key points of contact, mainly with them, and sometimes they're a little taken aback because they're like, "Wait, what? What are we talking about?" Is to say, "Hey, you know, we want to be a we want to be you know a source of stability for you and your organization, and we want you to feel that when you decide to make a decision or someone else makes it for you, that you're no longer going to be here." That this is something you can feel really good and say, I'm leaving this place way better than I found it. You've got a really strong website. We've solved a bunch of stuff. And now you can do small things to have a huge impact versus having to knock it down and start over. And then potentially like, gosh, I can't believe 
a joker that was our previous, you know, marketing director left us in such a terrible spot. Like nobody wants that. Right. And I think about like the positions I've been in with, uh, you know, on boards in the past and the proverbial like Tupperware box, like, all right, you're the new chairman. Here you go. And you're like, what do I do with this as compared to like this really well operating and well functioning tool? That doesn't always play out the way we want to, but I think that's that's one of those areas where you know a, a web team, a marketing team worth its salt can really really support an organization in that time instead of it being something where they're like, we don't know what to do with you, and and we're going to start from scratch. So that's I don't know. Well, in kudos to companies like yours and just in general, even the Squarespaces and the you know, Wix companies of the world, they've made the backend much easier in the past for if, you know, someone were to leave, someone could at least understand. I mean, I know your tool's always been intuitive and that's been a great thing to see change since 2008 too, really. It's just like some of the ease of picking up some of that stuff where, you know, at least you someone can get in and do some stuff, but like in general, um, keeping a, keeping a close relationship with the, with, you your dev team is is critical yeah yeah that's so that's Colby, street right i mean that's as yeah. much on us as as on the client that we're reaching out and that we've got they know where to where to go if they have a problem and it's not just one person so yeah that's a good point yeah so colby you you had mentioned you needing to put on like the cfo mindset which which i yeah. find really interesting uh especially in your your role where it's kind of like you're the advocate for whatever you're presenting, you know, to the client and saying like, you kind of have to sell it to them. And the, the best way to sell it to them is the ROI is like, okay, if we do this because of the numbers I'm seeing now, we make this change, it costs X, but it's going to get you Y, right? Um, what are, what are some mm-hmm. other reasons you would say, what are some of the key red flags, if you will, that you would present to a client in addition to ROI? Yeah. Um, I'll start. I'll start with just another ROI discussion, though, from that CFO thing, because I think it's important. Because it's helped me communicate a few times, which is amortizing that cost of a new website too over time. Where I think, like, if I were to ask you guys to give me the price for a website and you sent me, you know, X amount of dollars, if you looked at it as a one-time cost, you know, that might be a little bit of a, you know, like. But yeah. if I know that website is going to last me three to five maybe sometimes longer years, I think a real a good way a CFO can look at that is you amortize that cost over the lifetime of that site. It becomes a much more digestible number. And it makes sense if you were to look at a year's worth of business versus like, oh, I got to spend tens of thousands of dollars on a site in one year, you know? So like, it, and that's going to depend on the company you're talking to. But I, you know, I do think that a, a good CFO will understand that and but uh, in terms of red flags, you know, I think some of the biggest, biggest things um, lately certainly is like, does it adjust to mobile? Is it a mobile first design? Um, you know, and sometimes it's, it's crazy how you can go out there and still see uh, designs that are laid out like it was 2008, you know, and you still got to pinch and zoom to find the links. I mean, there's still a lot of that out there. and. Um, you know, there might be organizations that has a great sales team and, uh, you know, and their their folks are out there crushing it and they're still doing well, you know. And so they don't they say, I don't really need this. But it's like, you know, if you want to kind of 
get them into the next era. So like one of the points of discussion there is like, Hey, we've got, you know, millennials are now the like biggest group in the workforce. Now, like people like my son are now going to be entering the workforce. Like they need, you got to be preparing for that next wave of folks. Right. So I think just really the, the functionality and, and, and kind of being mobile first, I think is a, is a big red flag. You know, I think one of the things that uh, is also a red flag is, that I think was a trend in the past was just too much information. Just, I think, in, you know, people used to just put everything they possibly could on a site, you know, and, and you're, you know, you're serving the master Google for search, but you're really overwhelming your customers with choice in a lot of ways. You know, so like really trying to focus in and slim down as slim down a site, I think, is a philosophy I like to recommend and abide by as much as I possibly can. You know, and I see that a lot in in, in sort of the B2B banking or professional services space where they want to just like get everything out there. And I, I think you like you're you're taking away talent from maybe uh, taking away opportunity from some of your sales staff by losing the prospect of curiosity when exploring a site, like, you know, I think a good brand strategy, good storytelling strategy kind of takes you up to a certain point, you know, and, and this is where a site can really kind of lead you up to a certain point uh, where you're interested and like, you know, okay, now I want to learn some more, but not too much information. Those are a couple um, that I think come off and just really like uh, for me, I'm, you know, having worked in a creative agency and, work with some really great artists and writers, you know, how are you giving your content the best opportunity to shine, you know, visual and verbal content I'm that just, you know, pulls at the heartstrings or cuts right through to the, that is just makes me melt when I think about a project and what, you know, drives success. Like, um, so like, does the site present your story? in the best way possible. And like, you know, let's say you spent 20 grand on a couple of videos. Like, does your, do you have the space to do that? You know? So like sometimes, you know, I've recently been in business where we spent money on content, you know, where I put it, you know, I can push it through social a lot or, you know, and I just, I just want people to see it. I want it to be out there. And that, those are sometimes hard conversations with the, with the C-suite to get them to spend money on because you're like, where, where is it going to go? So, you know, those are the types of thoughts and all that takes strategy. All that takes some, takes some time to work through that. So I'd say those are some three red flags there. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. You know, I, I think back about our history at Cascade and how we, for the longest time, were so focused on the development side and the design side wasn't a priority, which was where the state you found Lewis and Clark when you came is that we started down that path and they're like, we're not quite feeling this. And that's when we brought in Watson and, and all of their magic. And in the way that it, it struck me at the time was like, it doesn't matter if your house has got the, the best framing possible. If they botch up the drywall and the, the exterior trim and the windows and the roof and all the stuff you can see, None of that stuff underlying is, is that valuable on the flip. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes you'll see that people will put all of their energy or so much of their energy on the front end, the design, the content, the assets, 
and it'll be it'll be propped up by a super lightweight platform that isn't intended to to be pushed in those directions. So finding that balance can be really tricky. And you know, again, it comes down to where do you want to put the resources so that the the you know the chassis is strong enough to hold up all this stuff you're trying to to put out to the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Colby, when you're talking about like spending 20 grand on videos, I just, and we, Ben and I, we always go to like the house reference and foundation and whatnot. The videos I just picture being like a beautiful front door, but they put it on the second floor. So like you're approaching the house <laughs> and you can't even get to it, right? Yeah. Like that's just what I picture yeah. is like a lot of people will do that where their money was spent on X, but how they deployed it, how they used it, how it's implemented is not accessible, you know? And I'm not talking about like accessibility when it comes to, you know, is it easy to read? Is, will a screen reader, you know, adapt to this and, and all that? I'm talking about like, it just didn't deliver. It didn't hit home. And so uh, I really appreciate you almost start going into my realm of creative director and, and feeling the feelings part when you said it, it makes you melt when that message and the imagery is like mm -hmm. all that sharp point and getting to where you mm -hmm. wanted versus all these other like directions. I, I think that's appealing too. So as far as redesign, okay, let's talk about the other side of this is just a facelift, right? What would you say? Like mm -hmm. you go into again, a client where that's like, well, you know, the back end is actually pretty solid. Uh, it's pretty modern. It's it, we can work with it. Where do you focus then on a on a on a just a facelift? Is it images? Uh, and I and I really hope you're just going to say content uh, is probably some of the key part. But what would you say on facelift? Definitely content. You know, I I generally uh, attract am attracted to um, short, punchy content and beautiful images with plenty of white space. And if there's a if there's a, if there's a brand refresh that happens, and let's just swap out some of the key uh, landing areas with the new stuff, you know? Um, I think that's that's where I, that's what I would call a, a site refresh. Or, you know, let's just invest in a couple of new templates on the site, uh, you know, a couple of the key landing pages or something, you know, like we don't have to blow the whole thing up, you know? And I do, I do think like uh, trimming down, as I mentioned before, is a great way to refresh too. You know, let's, mm. let's, let's um, keep it simple. You know, yeah, um, and, and shorten some, some traction, shorten some of the, yeah, yeah, I like that. Uh, in your experience, when you look back on the last, you know, two decades or so, um, talking about brands that have redesigned, can you think, uh, just off the top of your head, uh, think of brands that redesigned full facelift or just a, a full from ground up? Yeah. Um, you know, when I was in banking, I think the, the company we, that everyone always looked at was Umqua. You know, I think they've done a really, really nice job with their home pages, uh, and they've done their, their they've done their websites several times. But you know, they're kind of the OG of breaking the mold uh, in storytelling and, and banking, and they still do a they still do a good job of that. Um, and certainly have led the way in terms of Pacific Northwest style, you know, professional services kind of going, I want to, I kind of want to be like, like Umqua. And I, you know, I, so they're, 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 they're great. Um, you know, in terms of others, I feel like there's a lot of clients I've worked with that always point to Apple, you know, and I, I hate saying it, but like, 
you know, they're a behemoth, but they've really set this, you know, just in terms of clean white space and um, highlighting some really quality images, you know, there's them. You know, I, I, I would like to just say every client that I've worked with, I always think 2.0 has been better than one than their first version. And, you know, I, I really can't think of any of that jump out unless like, you know, um, you know, brands you would know, but, uh, you know, like I can think of a, a few clients at the agency days, like Oregon blueberry farms and nursery was one of the ones where I, I just really loved how, you know, you took sort of what was a unknown business in a digital space to a fantastic story um, with some strong images and a site that complemented all that content um, it was just a that was a, that was a great project. I don't know. I yeah. I it, you know again like I think a website is successful uh, when the content shines and supports the business and. Um, yeah, I don't have too many others just specifically I'd point to. Um, I just kind of look for those key elements. Did we check, did we do a good job on, on making the content shine and the brand shine um, as, yeah. as styles and looks that I like? So Colby, so like you're coming in as, as from a leadership perspective, what can they hand off to you that best equips you to help make those decisions if it's going to be a full redesign or just a facelift? What information could they hand you? Got it. Yeah. I, you know, I think that a marketing director or a marketing consultant, uh, whether during the, during the get to know you process, uh, will figure that out. There will need to be a lot of conversations to, to make that a successful handoff. Uh, certainly I would want to know, um, you know, what were some of the key major investments in the past? Uh, I would want to know, um, you know, the history of the website, the history of the brand, uh, what is, you know, all the basics, but knowing what their pain points are, knowing what um, they determine will be a success for the marketing department going forward is the most important, important bit. Um, you know, uh, I, I, you know, like if I were to be interviewing for a company, um, uh, as their marketing director, I would want to know what resources I'm working with and what are the pain points of uh, of the C-suite <laughs> at that time. Yeah. And I think I'd be able to kind of figure out um, what I need to, to move forward um, in that. Because I, I don't want to come in and start proposing to blow stuff up if I know that's yeah. going to just be a, it's going to end in failure. So it's kind of more in the roles position to really equip that information or, or at least gather that information versus the company side of saying, here, this should equip you to make decisions. It's more your role coming in and knowing how to ask and find that information then. Yeah, 100%. And I appreciate you dist distilling that uh, for me. I, you know, there's a, lot of the, there's a lot of folks in leadership that don't know a lick about marketing. You know, um, yeah. they don't. You know, yeah. they, they're probably, they might be operators. Uh, they might be CFO minded, which is what drove them to the top of their organization. And, you know, investing in marketing or hiring a marketing director may have been a big leap for them 
<laughs> mm. at that time. Yeah. You know, right. so, you know, they might just be, we just need to save money or they might be let's invest in sales more. You know, and that's the same reason why when times get tough, you know, the marketing dollar, the, the marketing dollars shrink a lot, you know, because yeah. it's, you know, it's hard, it's really hard. Here, here's the thing. As a marketing director, you've got to fight every day for your budget. It is a, it is a ongoing battle in, in just about every experience that I've had, you know, even with the most pro marketing people in charge. It's, it's the first thing on the table, right? And I understand it. I get it. If I was in that seat, I might be making the similar decision. Right. But, you know, I think there's that famous Rockefeller quote as well, which is like, hey, when there's blood in the streets, you should be buying. You know what I mean? Like, so there's, there's some, some people retract and get more conservative. And some people are like, oh, let, it's time to go, it's time to double down. You know, that's, so that's when you, you're, you, count your blessings as a marketing director. If you're kind of with the double down folks, you know, let's go in and, and, and go. But yeah, I, I, it's just, it's, it's always a battle. It's always a battle to, to prove your, to prove your worth. Um, and, and bigger investments in brand, bigger investments in content and bigger investments in websites. Those are tough decisions. You've got, you know, if you're on the inside, you are fighting for that project. And, you know, you've got to sell, sell, sell internally um, yeah. to win those, to win that work. And, you know, that's, that's a tough battle sometimes. Well, I, I really appreciate your perspective on that, Colby. In looking at 2024, um, what are maybe some things um, that I think companies should be looking out for when it comes to redesign? What are, what are some areas that, that companies you think are, are kind of targeting for this coming year? I think, uh, I think from my experience, it's, I think we're near the bottom of the trough economically. Um, I think, uh, I think there's a lot of marketing departments that have been um, crunched. I think you've probably got a lot of, uh, marketing leaders that are now that their roles have been expanded uh, to include lower level activities. And, you know, so I think there's a lot of companies just squeezing as much juice as they can out of their marketing teams. Um, I think to your question, um, companies should be finding out where they can start alleviating a bit more stress from those marketing teams and what vendors they can bring in or what headcount they can bring in to make their teams a bit more robust. And I've seen that all over the place uh, in my professional network myself is like, you know, to, to be thinking about what, what, what are the opportunities from an activation type standpoint and what channels and, I don't think that's the conversation right now. I think the conversation is let's get some help to uh, some dollars to whatever your marketing department might need at this time. Um, that's the opportunity. Uh, Cause I think every, I think most folks, at least small to medium sized businesses and that I've experienced personally and through my, through my personal network, they're feeling crunched. 
They're overwhelmed with not enough resources. And, um, you know, they're going to need, they're going to need help and tools to, you know, you don't want to be the laggard when this thing starts to take off again. Right. Cause it is, it's all a cycle. You know, the market's going to bounce back. We're all kind of hoping for it all to take off, but like, you know, if, if you just got one person there who doesn't have enough resources and good luck. <laughs> you know? So I would say like this, you know, right now we're in budgeting season two in October here, you know, for the new year. Yeah. You know, let's do you have, do you, can you add a couple more percentage points to that marketing budget, wherever that is? Can, can you do that? That would be my message to clients out there. You know, or I know that still just need to keep it tight. I know that little soundbite right there of you saying that will just be music to the ears of a lot of our listeners. And I know specifically, probably a lot of our clients are like, oh, Lord, please. Yes, I could just use a little notch up here uh, so I can take a day off or like you're saying skill (laughs) set. I'm not, I'm not supposed to be doing this content. I'm supposed to have someone else helping me. I'm just big picture, you know, and and being able to step in and support, you know, which in a lot of ways is kind of, I think our role with a lot of our clients is supporting that. However, we know that internally, like they're seeking budget approval too. Like we're sitting here and I know it just, I had like two emails that go out this morning where it was kind of just, I'm giving ammo to these poor people and they're pitching it up the line, like trying to like, I'm giving all the ammo to them, like, this, this is really what you need. This is what it'll take. And then they're going to bat for it, you know, cause they want it, they need it. They know yeah. the value in it, you know? So that is definitely music yeah. to the ears of a lot. I'm hoping a lot of our customers or clients and listeners. Yeah. So it's, on, been, on, it's been an overwhelming last three, four years, you know, yeah, it's yeah. been just in terms of trying to, you know, push, make the sausage and, you know, get it to market if, if for one person, marketing teams or small marketing teams that, um, need help, you know, that, I think that is the, that's the, need. and you just kind of trust them, trust them to produce, you know, mm-hmm. that would be my recommendation. Yeah. So in a, in a dream world, Colby, we're looking at again, 2024, what, uh, what, kind of projects what kind of clients what kind of work uh are you hoping to do more of what is kind of that dream scenario for you i love doing like uh prospective brand positioning and strategy work one one thing i like to say about the the uh, sort of strategy and consulting type work that i do is i usually encounter my clients in their most ambitious state like I am, when I, when I meet with them, they're ready to tackle something, you know, they may not know what it is or specifically what's the best solution, but they're ready to attack. They're ready to go. They're now an ambitious state. And so the value that I like to bring and that really makes me feel good is helping them coalesce all those thoughts, research behind it and you know, sharing with them the findings and making recommendations on what what goes forward, right? And then I can hand off beautiful plans and and put together a team for them or help them manage it. Those are the types of relationships I want to where um, I can guide a person through 
through some strategy, whether it's a brand refresh or a marketing, you know, what are, what are we going to do this next year? Uh, and then I can bring in my most talented friends to, to execute that stuff. That's a, that's a so, pretty cool feeling when you, when you work with folks and at the end of it, you, like you said, you deliver something to them. Do you get a sense of their like achievable? Don't they feel like we achieved this? Cause in a lot of ways, like you're saying, you're getting to know them. You're trying to create this persona, this brand. And a lot of that is coming from the heart of those folks in leadership, right? Like of who they are. And mm-hmm. so they pour themselves into it. And at the end, when you can take all the noise and distill it down to this thing, however it's delivered, you just get that sense of achievement from them, right? I mean, when the strategy and the creative all comes together, that is the best feeling for me. And when the client understands that as well, that is the best feeling in the world. I uh, am not going to lie or or gloss over the fact that that can be a very painful process at times, uh, you know, to go through, it takes a, it takes a change in people or you have to change their understanding or like we've alluded to a bit in this conversation, the ROI isn't immediate. So you might go through that stuff and set the plan and be like this, that feels good when you're, but the ROI might take a little bit to and get it back. Through. And so I think there's always that phase where like, oh, are we doing, you know, there's a little bit of uh, buyer's remorse or, you know, it, it, you know, you've got to get them to trust the process, you know? So, you know, it's never, it's never like, yes, we did it right off the bat. I think (laughs) there's a lot of ambition. The process is there's a lot of ambition. There's bringing the team together around the plan. There's launching. And then there's like, come on, (laughs) stay with, (laughs) stay with it. You know, like that's, that's, that's what, that that's what it's about. And you know, that's, what's fun. That's what that's. Do you have any, do you have any uh, thoughts or ideas for the listeners about um, tips for managing those expectations? Oh, just as much of that conversation of what we just talked about up front and, and understanding, uh, having a good sense of that ROI. If, if you're investing in a brand or a website, as I said, you know, your ROI might be a couple years out. The big win might be, you know, are you working with a small business that's trying to build and sell? Right. Then ROI in the short term doesn't mean as much as building a brand that you can sell, building a book of business that you can sell. That's the big win. But or are we doing a marketing campaign where I need to see click through numbers? I need to see web traffic. I need to see, you know, engagement. I need to I need to track the hot zones on the website. Make sure, you know, that's a diff. That's a whole different conversation than um, we're building this thing to. So, you know, it's just kind of trying to really understand your customer and trying to get as much of that conversation out the way. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Having those metrics that you can kind of point back to and kind of the down and distance, if you will, in the immediate term, but then also keeping an eye on the long term goals there and and not uh, not getting off track when, you know, things don't necessarily go your way. Um, that can, mm-hmm. those can be tricky conversations. Again, goes back to that courage. And I think to your point over communicating, and sometimes I find you got to ask some kind of pers- like probing questions around what does success look like to you? Right. That's one thing mm-hmm. I always, I find myself asking a lot is what do you care about? What does success look like? Okay. Let's track to that in, in a variety of ways so that, you know, we don't, uh, 
we don't feel that buyer's remorse. We don't get impatient and not give it a chance to be successful because we've had some, some experiences over the last 25 years. I've been doing this where you look back and, and they ran out of patience. They, they stopped funding the, the effort. And then all of a sudden, uh, or, you know, then, it, then all of a sudden thing pops in three or four months and the relationship is soured and you're like, man, let that one get away. And, and yeah, that can be tricky. Yeah. I, you know, an example recently is with my friends over at migration, you know, we're, we're investing a lot of time and money in, in building some new beer brands, you know, designing a new label, renaming a new beer, figuring out what's going to take the place of another beer and kind of putting together this big plan. And we understand it takes time for a new product to, you know, to grow. Um, and so that's a that's a full on team understanding that, hey, we're tracking this thing grow over time, right? We're watching the life cycle of another brand that, that might be uh, kind of running its course, you know, and we, we all understand that. But hey, if I'm running a weekend event, we got we got to look at how many people are going to come in. How many? What are we paying on that? What's what's a, what's a quick turn ROI on that? And then we'll know that success. Those are two completely different marketing related yeah. projects. You know, That's a great so, example. Yeah. You, you got to be able to do both. And I think it's just really communication of expectations all the time, meeting a lot, having those, you know, what's it look like to you? Uh, what's a win look like to you? Um, so. Nice. Cool. Well, Colby, I appreciate your time and in, in sharing some of your stories. This is kind of this topic as well as your input. I think uh, it'd be fun to have you back you know, episode number 50 or something, we get a few more in there and, and bridge this topic again and, and go from there. But Ben and I really appreciate you uh, joining us. My pleasure. This was a lot of fun. I'd be happy to come back. It's good to, good to be around you. Awesome. All right, Colby, I appreciate it. Thank you listeners. As always, please don't forget to like, follow all those normal social cues, but also if you have any questions, or topic ideas, uh, please email them to us at webwell at cascadewebdev.com. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks, Colby. Adios. Adios.